You're listening to People Real by Brandon Knopf. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are listening to People Real. Thanks for joining us again here on our podcast. This is our second episode of People Real. And today we're going to switch gears and actually talk about education. And one topic that is dear to me and has consistently been something I've thought about for many, many years is this question of whether or not your university brand actually matters and whether or not that education that you get from that university even applies to your success or perhaps your happiness later in life. And so this question is something we're going to dive in here today on today's podcast. And that's, uh, you know, honestly something that I think we should think a lot about moving forward, especially given now that education is really going to be questioned moving forward. This year in 2020, we had obviously the COVID-19 outbreak, and with it, we had many students uh, be asked literally to work from home or study from home and, and frankly not access the, the traditional way of learning, which is going to classes and attending schools and universities um, at the various locales throughout the world. And so we've seen many, many children, uh, you know, all the way up to young adults, actually study virtually for the past uh, three to four months. And moving forward, we don't even know whether or not these individuals or these students are actually going to be studying in classes or still on video using other forms like Zoom or other video uh, sessions and things that basically have been developing over the years. Well, that makes it very interesting because now is it more about cultivating the right resources just like they did at the proper um, physical locations and, and delivering it in a way where the education is strong? Or does it dive into the question or does it pose the question whether or not it's just merely a name or a brand or maybe even the alumni and the folks that you are surrounded by when you're actually going to school? Now, I will tell you a quick story about my life, um, or rather not my life, but my educational experience. So when I was younger, I actually graduated from the University of Puget Sound. Yep, you're probably thinking to yourself, what? University of Puget Sound? The acronym of the university is actually UPS. And frankly, that equates to United Parcel Service here in the United States and even abroad to a significant degree, especially if packages are received by UPS. So what name recognition do I get when I like literally step out of the Puget Sound? Um, Unfortunately, not much. Many people question it and usually have the same kind of answer or question when they hear what university I went to. But when I was a graduate of my public school, I actually garnered acceptance to the University of Washington. Now, I've worked abroad for many, many of my years in, in, you know, working for others. And during that time, whenever I did say I, you know, got into the University of Washington or that I got a certificate, which I did, a technology certificate post-University of Puget Sound, and it was from the University of Washington, people would be thinking to themselves, oh, interesting, Washington, huh, Washington, especially in Asia, where, frankly, I've had past employers even leverage that and 
paste it all over my profile and say I graduated from the University of Washington, which is really funny because it was it wasn't even something they asked me to, or asked of me or they didn't even ask to do it. They just frankly threw it on top of my name because they felt like that was the name recognition they needed. In particular, one company, Chungdam Learning, they were significantly biased towards uh, name brand universities because I mean the the, the purpose behind. You know, Chengdam Learning was to help students, frankly, get into some of the better programs later in life and eventually into hopefully even better branded colleges like Harvard University or Stanford, MIT. So it made sense. They would do that. I mean, the founder of Chengdam Learning or Chengdam, um, and I, did I say Chengdam University or I'm not sure, but regardless, Chengdam Learning um, was actually a graduate from Seoul National University, which is like the Harvard of South Korea or one of the hardest universities to get into. I have even answered on a famous um, question and answering forum or website, Quora, uh, um, where I do have a pretty decent following. And there they asked the question of um, what's the acceptance rate of Seoul National University. And I estimated with a lot of different um, you know, points where I would talk to other individuals who would know firsthand probably what the the actual um, admittance rate is, um, which is I don't think published anywhere, but you have to kind of estimate. And I and I literally estimated somewhere in the neighborhood of 0.5%. Yes, 0.5%. So we're talking about like even 10 times harder than Stanford University or thereabouts. Um, and, and, you know, it is really, really competitive. I've met lots of people at um, or who have graduated from Seoul National University. And <laughs> you have to be insanely intelligent and literally do um, the most extreme things in life in order to get accepted into that university. And the thing applies also to, you know, its counterpart in China, I would argue. Uh, you know, you have Beijing University or Beida um, is how they pronounce it there. Um, and their other top university, which I think ranks even higher than Beida right now, which is a Tsinghua University, uh, both out of, I think, Beijing. And and anyway, the point is, is those universities are very, very difficult to get into. And yet, um, you know, despite that, uh, um, you know, people literally, uh, you know, continue to, to struggle to get in. Well, let's question now um, whether or not it was even worth it, all that trouble that all those students went through in order to get in those universities. So I decided today to evaluate and, and actually look into a bunch of different um, success place metrics. I mean, rather, I, I wanted to see perhaps where we can judge, you know, if a university benefits an individual. Now, you can evaluate this in so many different ways. You know, if you want to talk about happiness, you know, this would be very, very challenging because that's a very subjective measure. But if we talk about pure, let's say, uh, you know, wealth and, and, and frankly, you know, someone's ability to acquire what capitalism basically judges us on in terms of success, in terms, you know, basically money, um, we could easily just look at the richest people in society. And I honestly could go straight over there and, and look at the top list. But you will see it's heavily dominated by a lot of old people who over time have literally acquired their wealth through one way or another, you know, through inheritance, you know, through other means that, you know, just age basically plays a role into. 
to, you know, honestly, other uh, uh, ways of measuring it, uh, um, you know, which would be maybe like academic success or, per, or not academic success, excuse me, but perhaps professional success, like, you know, climbing up the corporate ladder or, or finding some, you know, ability to basically succeed in, in maybe the academic world, like in terms of professors or other things like that. Well, anyway, um, I decided to take a, a little stroll, a um, little, little, you know, dive into the actual um, data. Um, but one thing that I analyze here today, which I thought would be a good measure to prove whether or not it is important or maybe it isn't as important, is is honestly startup founders. Why? So I was thinking startup founders, especially the most successful ones right now, are disrupting economies right and left. They are frankly, you know, becoming who they are in terms of their success and literally, you know, even their fame to a significant degree, mainly from the ability to, to generate, you know, wealth immediately from almost nothing. You know, some of them definitely have, you know, really strong backgrounds and, and definitely they've had uh, a start, uh, a little bit of head start rather um, versus others. But a lot of them basically turn their unsuccessful or unpopular or maybe just unknown um, lives into a very well-known one. And so I decided to just dive into a bunch of different startups that, that we know about and also some that maybe are a little less uh, prominent or, or less famous. And, you know, so here's the list. Uh, I, I examined like the founders of Twitter. Um, I decided to dive into the Uber uh, um, founders' backgrounds in terms of their education. I, I looked into the Snapchat um, founders or even in real estate where you have like Zillow or Redfin and whatnot, um, you have founders that actually came from, um, you know, previous companies like Expedia. But uh, um, primarily, I looked at a lot of the famous ones and also even some of the ones that, you know, um, even occurred, you know, in previous years and, and found a very interesting finding. And so I'll get to that here in a second. Because the next thing I want to identify or tell you before we actually tell you about the findings is that it was an interesting dynamic when we evaluated basically startups in the United States where they're considered probably in aggregate the largest successes throughout the world. Um, I would say that they probably created the most net value in terms of their technology, in terms of, sorry, not just their technology, but in terms of really net worth, you know. Um, we're talking about billions and billions, if not trillions of dollars. You know, we're talking about like Amazon or, or you know, Amazon, excuse me, um, Apple or even, you know, uh, what is it? Uh, Google and and literally the Facebooks. You know all the the, the largest entities, including even Microsoft, um, which has literally grown to over a trillion dollars in, in capital um, uh, value. So so we're going to look at all those, and we're also going to look at some of the up and comers or the ones that you might have heard that are a little bit more sexy and the ones that dominate the the news headlines like Uber or Airbnb and things like that. And and we're going to just dive in and see perhaps what was the finding. But again, the second part I, I did want to highlight is it kind of depends whether or not you're examining the United States or maybe the up and coming area, which I'm going to argue may make you rethink whether or not it's important to go to school. Um, not necessarily go to school, excuse me, but rather get that um, highly prized pedigree that we all aim for. And even the Asians who we're basically talking about in this second or larger category of startup successes, you will find there's a huge irony as to what 
actually ends up happening, especially if you evaluate it from this startup founding to high valuation net uh, gain um, criterion and and, and literally um, understand that there is something different going on in the Far East. Okay, so let's dive into the first part. Um, Again, I was going to tell you uh, um, literally all the different, and I'm, I'm still planning on doing a lot of that, but literally telling you where these people graduated from. So I'm not doing it from a purely quantitative standpoint, because if we had to do that, we'd have to spend hours and hours, if not days, in even maybe even weeks examining this to see you know where um, all these different um, individuals who succeeded in the startup world have actually you know garnered their, their college degrees and, and where they literally or what they used in order to get to where they ended up being. And so, again, some of the, uh, you know, uh, startups that we evaluated were start like like Facebook or, or Microsoft and, and Twitter, et cetera. And so let's just start and diving into some of these and, and you'll get to see exactly what, what we're going to uh, tell you. So Uber, let's start off with Uber, which is very interesting. There's Travis Kalanick um, and also Uber's uh, Garrett Camp. These are the two co-founders of Uber. And they graduated from UCLA and University of Calgary. So interesting, uh, you know, alma maters here. So UCLA is definitely one of the hardest universities to get into in terms of the public space. So definitely would argue it's it's quite reputable and, and frankly, just a great program to put on your resume and probably help Travis get to where he ended up getting in terms of when he exited or rather when he was forced out. Um, it helped him. I mean, when he did this presentations, he was questioned probably a lot less. And so in that case, maybe maybe going to a great university helped him. But then the question becomes, you know, what about Garrett? Well, he was a co-founder, so maybe it's okay. Maybe, you know, in some capacities or some parts of the teams, um, it's okay to necessarily graduate from um, other universities. Right now, they're both worth uh, over or close to $3 billion. Actually, ironically, Garrett's worth more than Travis, according to what the Internet says. Another very famous startup um, is Airbnb. Now, Airbnb had three co-founders, at least that's what, uh, you know, is, is identified on the Internet. And those three actually graduated from three very prestigious universities. Um, the first one, which everybody recognizes, Harvard. Um, the other two um, graduated from the Rhode Island School of Design. So you might think, well, well what's that? Well, if you know anything about university uh, rankings, you will know that it's a part of the Brown University uh, system, um, I believe. And so, you know, you could almost consider it one of the best art schools um, in the country. And so these these two other co-founders, uh, Brian Chesky and, and Joe Gebbia, I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce it, they graduated from the Rhode Island School of Design. And so they actually went to an elite school. So here, in terms of five different individuals, I would say four out of the five graduated from from great universities, great pedigrees to help them get to where they needed to go. Now, there are two very sexy uh, startups that are occurring right now, or rather are in the headlines. Um, and they are, they're both in the fintech space or in the finance area, I'd argue. Um, and they are Stripe and Square. One actually ends up being uh, founded by two Irish uh, individuals or people who came from Ireland. And then the other two um, actually were 
founders or co-founders of a very famous startup, which we, we talked about right at the beginning when we started listing all these different uh, potential startups that we're gonna evaluate. And that's Jack Dorsey. So Jack Dorsey co-founded Square uh, with Jim, I think it's uh, McKelvey or Nikelvey. Uh, and those two actually graduated from two very, very strong top 25 universities, NYU and Washington University. Now, when it comes to the Irish founders of Stripe, um, they did not. They, they actually graduated from a university called, I think, Castle Troy College. Um, I'm not sure if I uh, pronounced it or spelled it correctly, but definitely a university we don't know about. But hey, you know what the slight difference or maybe what perhaps maybe helped them get over this? Well, it looks like both of the Collisons um, actually went to graduate school or went to uh, further educational programs post uh, bachelor's or post undergraduate and one went to MIT he did drop out I believe from what I read and then you have his brother who went to Harvard so you know they both dived in so here in the in the seven anecdotal cases or even adding the other two from from literally square making it nine I would argue a majority of these people maybe eight or seven out of the nine have graduated from universities that are very strong in terms of their reputation so here it's proving maybe it is a good idea maybe it is important frankly to graduate from some of these top universities I mean because if you look at the top 10 or top five you can tell that you know like with anybody from Bill Gates to Mark Zuckerberg or you know um, a lot of the success is even uh, Jeff Bezos, who ranks number one right now, who went to Princeton University, it would tell you that maybe we need to go to these top universities in order to succeed. Hmm. So maybe we'll just continue thinking that, you know, and what, what I just told you as well to add on top of that maybe might or rather makes you think that and perhaps everybody will, you know, increase in larger droves to those universities, even though I don't think that's going to change much because I think there's still going to be a lot of people who value education irregardless or rather regardless of, of what I tell you here today or what the statistics tell you, you know, they'll just tell you that you need to get a good university from a good uh, program. Um, and, it, and honestly, it'll be supported by even more data or information. Like, for example, all the Facebook founders mostly coming from Harvard or Google's two co-founders uh, coming from Stanford. And even, you know, with Apple, you have UC Berkeley, Steve Wozniak. Um, actually, Steve Jobs did not go to necessarily a prestigious university, but it's growing to become prestigious. And that's Reed College uh, near Portland or in Portland. And so, you know, there are a lot of cases that literally show you or tell you, even Snapchat's founders, Aaron Spiegel and Bobby Murphy, both graduated from Stanford um, and, and proved that, you know, and I forgot there's a third individual. I think they uh, pushed out of the company, um, Reggie Brown, who also graduated from Stanford. So those are great examples and, and more support. Here in the West, you know, where, you know, sometimes people would even argue, oh, it doesn't matter. But when you actually dive deep, it does look like it matters. Um, the only two that I could tell you in, you know, most recently, or not just two, but uh, um, two that graduated from universities that are perhaps maybe not as well known um, is Spotify's uh, co-founders, uh, Daniel Eck and Martin Lort Lortensen. Uh, both of them graduated from these like lesser known uh, European universities. Uh, and, and as a result, maybe, you know, that proves you don't necessarily need to, to always graduate. But overall, with the examination, minus maybe a few um, outliers like... Uh, 
We did find with PayPal, you had a bunch of people graduating from the University of Illinois' Urbana-Champaign. Um, the same thing applied with uh, YouTube founders, uh, uh, Joed uh, Kareem and, and Steve Chen. They both graduated from the University of Illinois, and then even their co-founder, Chad Hurley, graduated from the Indiana University of Pennsylvania. So there are some outliers. So right now, it's like literally Ivy League, Stanford, MIT, and basically some of the top schools in the Midwest. So those are the schools that, you know, you'd want to have your kids graduate from if you want maybe future stars um, in the startup world or, or startup world for technology. But here is the interesting thing we found here today. In, in basically people real, we found um, in our education, you know, focus today that honestly, it depends on where you come from because we dived into actually some of the most famous startups and some of the biggest disrupting companies in China. Yeah, where there's a lot of wealth being created right now. Um, I mean, with 1.3 plus billion people, you know, frankly, it is um, easier to to generate a larger set of numbers to to get that higher valuation and, and frankly, turn a lot of individuals with, you know, very little known about them into billionaires. Let me let me share some of those. So one of the most famous ones that honestly um, you may know um, if you have been looking into some of the richest uh, Chinese um, startup founders is Ma Huateng. Now Ma um, honestly um, graduated from Shenzhen University, which is a city just north of Hong Kong. And right now he's worth about $50 billion. Yeah, literally. Uh, he is the CEO of Tencent, uh, and, and this company uh, is, I believe, the one that runs uh, WeChat, which is one of the most popular uh, social platforms, social um, tools or apps in China. And as a result of, of him running this company, in, you know, he's not even that old. Um, you know, he is worth so much money. And so he's he, he's considered probably one of the more successful Chinese entrepreneurs. And yet he graduated from universities that's not even close to, I believe, believe being in the top three or so. Um, I don't even know where Shenzhen actually ranks these days. Um, but, you know, even though it's a growing city and it, it has done very well economically, it does not necessarily rank up there as far as universities are concerned. And then if you look at all the others, like even uh, Jack Ma, so Jack Ma, uh, probably one of the most famous Chinese entrepreneurs um, of, you know, basically the founder of Alibaba, he's worth, you know, a little short of $50 billion. I think he's worth around 43. Uh, he graduated from Hangzhou Normal University. So, no, in, 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 so in his case, you know, he proves, and he's also a former teacher, uh, you know, again, you might not necessarily need to do this if you're, you're growing up in the Far East, you know, even though, and it's funny because I used to work over there and, and, and the number of people who actually, or parents that is, tried to get their kids into some of the top programs in the West is, is just huge. And the amount of money they spend to get their children into those universities. I mean, it is incredible at how much they value it versus here in the West. And so despite that, there is this huge irony that some of these most incredibly successful entrepreneurs don't even come from or even attend uh, these programs. Here's another example. There's a guy by the name of Wang Qing. And Wang actually uh, runs this company called Meituan uh, Dianping. And here's the funny story about this guy. 
So this guy who's worth about $8.3 billion today uh, went to the University of Delaware. So look it up. I mean, you're probably not going to find the University of Delaware in any top 50, top even 100 uh, programs in the United States. And here's the kicker. He dropped out. Not dropping out of Harvard, but he dropped out of University of Delaware. All right. And his story is even more interesting if you dive deeper. Um, you should take a look at his, his Wikipedia article and just learn more about him. And you'll find out what he did is literally he, he tried to replicate every single success that existed in the West and kept on failing or, having, or had literally one issue or another. Uh, some of those companies, uh, after dropping out of University of Delaware, he tried to uh, create a Chinese version of Friendster which is ironic because obviously we know here in the United States, Friendster didn't do so well um, as a result of Mark Zuckerberg and his friends. Um, then he ended up trying to create a Chinese version of Facebook. And so then literally he had to sell it off because there's a lot of financial issues that he ran into. Um, and, and actually the people who ended up taking it over did, I think, succeed uh, um, and turned it into a program or rather a site called Renren, um, which I believe is, is, has had a lot more success. And then after that, he tried to create uh, another startup called, um, I think, Funfao, which was like uh, the Chinese version of Twitter. And so it was, I guess, China's first microblogging site. But unfortunately, he was shut down. Uh, but he he's a testament to the idea of never giving up because he just did it again. He ended up going and trying to copy another uh, uh, Western success Basically, that isn't as successful these days, but uh, but he ended up making it successful because culturally it made a lot more sense in China. And that was Groupon. He ended up creating this company, uh, which ended up merging with another company. And then literally the two companies, uh, Meituan uh, Dianping, ended up succeeding. So he finally, you know, ended up doing what he decided uh, would be uh, the success that he wanted to get. Um, he did end up uh, uh, going to, I think, uh, oh, you know what? Even though he did go to University of Delaware, I apologize, he did actually go to one of the best programs in um, China. He actually went to Tsinghua, uh, which is considered the best. So perhaps, uh, despite the story that I just told you, um, he is just incredibly brilliant. But the interesting thing, like I said, is if you actually think about the whole story behind what he did and and, and literally like how he became as successful he, as he did, um, you know, it, it's very funny because you wouldn't think that someone who actually, um, you know, graduated from the top university in China um, would have literally failed um, on each each of the different steps in his uh, path to success. And why would that individual actually come over to the United States and go to the University of Delaware, right? Really funny. But despite that, um, he does actually show to a considerable extent you don't necessarily need to have these like uh, incredible pedigrees. And he's not the only one. Like I said, we can make the argument like Didi uh, Choshang, uh, which is kind of, I think, a, a copy of... Uh, um, Uber and ended up, I think, getting a lot of funding from Uber because they Uber decided that they didn't want to actually fight with the Chinese. Um, the, the CEO there, I believe, graduated from the Beijing University of Chemical Technology. Again, another kind of side shoot university um, or a university that's not necessarily considered that 
that well known. Um, another individual, uh, Frank Wong, uh, he is the founder and CEO, I believe, of East, uh, sorry, a company called DGI, DJI rather, and he graduated from Beijing, or sorry, East China Normal University. And, and literally, that is really unknown. And, uh, but he was still able to, to translate, you know, this lo- lesser known brand into one of the world's largest manufacturers of drones. So honestly, there's not as much of, uh, you know, proof in the Far East where it shows that you actually do need to send your child to a top brand university. So very, very interesting dynamics out in the East. So let's revisit this question. So let's talk about what, what we started off examining here today. So do we need to graduate from a, an incredible brand or a, a top university where where literally you'd have to ki- like kill yourself in terms of or, or work so hard in order to get into one of these universities that have 5% or less um, you know, admittance rates. Do you? Well, here in the West, it looks like maybe it doesn't hurt, ironically. You know, here in the West, we, we, we argue sometimes, you know, it's, it's more about the person or perhaps it's more about your passion and things like that. But in actuality, we discriminate quite a bit on um, from at least from the anecdotal examples that we dived in here today, um, which are very well known, to be honest. Um, it it kind of shows that there is this reputation filtering and this this, you know, double checking, you know, double looking at people in certain ways because they graduate from Harvard or Stanford or MIT. Um, whereas in the East, it's interesting if you have the diligence, maybe even just the the ability to be persistent, you know, um, you know, in, in all your efforts and, and never give up. Like that example of um, the founder and CEO of Meituan Dianping, uh, Wang Xing, um, maybe you just you can win by just never giving up. And <laughs> in all honesty, these aren't the best looking individuals in the world either. So it's not like their their looks got them incredibly far. Not that that's going to always be an issue um, for anybody to succeed. But again, there's there seems to be some irony, irony rather um, in terms of how people are succeeding in the West and maybe even even in the East. Because again, as, as I stated before, um, spending a lot of time actually teaching a lot of the kids and spending a lot of time with the, the parents, uh, they are trying to get their kids to go to some of the top universities in the West, you know, from Harvard to Stanford, MIT, even some of the other lesser known brands, but, but at the same time, very strong schools like Carnegie Mellon University, University of Washington, University of Michigan. Uh, they're really making those efforts. Um, and, and so it, it just fascinates that despite all of that, when you look at the people who, who ended up, you know, jumping to the apex of all these corporate successes or these even startup successes that we've examined, it turns out that they didn't necessarily even graduate from the top universities. So maybe there's even an aspect of understanding that maybe it's not just the university. It might be more about the path. So thinking about that. Let's uh, consider that, you know, there's more time available for people to succeed. And maybe it isn't just that university that you acquire after high school that will determine whether or not you succeed like maybe it does here in the West. So I hope uh, that examination and a little, uh, you know, um, uh, talk about 
whether or not you need to go to the top universities and some of the data that supports it helped you understand here today uh, and answer that question um, or at least help elucidate whether or not this is a factor in some of the successes of future entrepreneurs or startup um, or disruptive you know future uh, talents that may end up succeeding so maybe it also gives you all hope out there who maybe did not graduate from the Ivy League or perhaps didn't graduate from a university that's as well known. Um, if you're hoping to disrupt the, the you know, business world or perhaps an industry or a vertical that, that has not yet been done thus far. So, um, yeah. Very fascinating information and very fascinating data. Well, we'll try to actually upload this into our various online sources. Um, so I do maintain a few different uh, websites and blogs. Um, and one in particular I might upload this data or information is into is one of my services where I tutor, uh, you know, kids um, trying to take this boarding school exam called the SSAT. And so I do have a blog uh, at SSATmaster.com. And so I'm thinking maybe I'll just throw that data up there for you all to, to see at some point. So take a look. Um, and if not, maybe I'll, you know, post some of these results or information on some of the core answers. Um, because I'm sure this question actually comes up with a lot of the people inquiring in, into Quora as far as whether or not a brand name university actually matters. So anyway... Um, very interesting, like I said, and uh, if you do have any questions or thoughts, please post them to all the contact sources that we list on this uh, podcast here on People Real, and uh, feel free to follow up or contact me in any way um, that you'd like, and, and you know, we'll, we'll talk about that even more on future episodes when we focus on the topic of education. All right, well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of People Real, and uh, hope you enjoyed, and hope that it actually helped you, you know, get a little extra, you know, thinking into your head here today. Um, so take care, stay healthy out there, and we'll hear, and uh, rather, we'll be here, that is, uh, on the next episode of People Real, and look forward to talking to you again in the next episode.